Rusty Quill presents. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva's Rexine Rodent Rectifier. Vermin vacationing on your veranda? Pests perusing the produce in your pantry? Say goodbye to those annoying interlopers with Minerva's Reclined Rodent Rectifier. With Minerva's Reclined Rodent Rectifier, even Grandma can tame those terrors by catapulting careening cabbages into every corner of her cottage. Some might call it a trebuchet, but what business is it of theirs? Minerva's Reclined Rodent Rectifier. Save your regrets for tomorrow. The sun is set and the theater district is stirring. The marquees are lit and the projector is whirring of the Nickelodeon show... The dance hall beer taps flow with a frothy bitter served in fat glass mugs, three at a time across the bar. The can-can girls and boys kick their heels for coins to the jangly piano. You have to start early if you're going to get rowdy by reputation. The palace ushers swept the red carpet under their canopy of lights to prepare for the mix of carriages and new shiny cars. And the rogue theater was on hiatus as they searched for a new hunger artist. Crowds had stopped to murmur with each other in front of Madame Mustaches, the old burlesque theater now turned variety show. Word had spread about their playwright Arthur's murder. Inspector Bennett from Needle Street had been inside the theater all day, interrogating witnesses and looking for clues. Although why he was currently crammed inside a small corridor on his hands and knees under the stage in complete darkness, he didn't know. But his companion... The curio, Maisie Myers, had felt something amiss and wanted to show him what she'd found. Maisie led Bennett crawling down the small hallway from the bottom of the stairs in the middle of the stage to somewhere deep in the middle of upstage center. Bennett held up a lighter, but the walls and floor were wood painted flat black, though no light from anywhere. Maisie scuffled ahead of Bennett and then reached the end of the hall. She scooted into a compartment, stood up, and dusted herself off. You can stand up in here, she said. Bennett crawled into the room, made it to his feet, tried to look around with his lighter. 
I came down here to see if it was a possible way for the murderer to get up and onto the stage to strangle Arthur and then escape without anyone seeing them. But that hall ends here, and there are any other passages. What is this? Bennett asked. It's the set for the final scene of Curse of the Pharaoh. This is the Pharaoh's tomb. It's built to rise out of the stage for the big finale. Here, let me see your lighter. Maisie took Bennett's lighter and lit two brass lamps that were part of the set. They lit up the room with dark yellow, orange, and red flicker, casting heavy shadows. Symbols and markings and fake stone on the walls. Piles of fake gold coins and fake gold statues. Swords and shields and bows and quivers, all fake and painted to look very real. A tomb buried in desert sands, lost to time and memory under the stage, ready to rise up for the big scene. Okay, I get the set, Bennett said. So if no one is down here, and there's no exit, then what did you find? Hold on to your buttons, Bennett. This is where it gets weird. A stone sarcophagus sat in the middle of the room, a flat top in the pharaoh's face and body painted on the lid. Maisie dragged a wooden stool to the side, grabbed one of the oil lamps and held it over the fake stone lid. Everything looks pretty normal for a set like this, right? Right. Except look closer at some of those props. Do you see those brass symbols? Those onks over there? Yeah. Those are real, as in expensive, as in not something Madame Mustaches is going to pay for. Do you see next to those brass symbols? There are crumpled robes in a pile. Okay. And do you smell the faint smell of sulfur? Yeah, I do. Where's this going, Maisie? If you look atop the lid here, something was burned. There's a char residue in a thick pile in the circle over the face painted on this lid. Not only that, but in the very center of that char is some kind of black liquid goo. And it smells like... What? She said into her coat at Mr. Fitz. I'm just... I'm getting to that. I don't think I get it, said Bennett. Okay, let's say some actors came down here and had a little party. And maybe that's it. In costume, they snuck down here, and they tied one on. Sure. Or, what if someone had inside knowledge that this set was being built, and sneaked in here and held an actual ritual? Brass symbols, ancient robes, Bennett was starting to catch up. But who? Maisie picked up one of the discarded robes. See this coloring? The red and black? Ever seen it before? Yeah. Where have I seen that before? These are the colors of the alchemists. The guild? For bored society people. Exactly. It's their sixth sense of humor to come down and have one of their rituals. Coming in the set of an ancient tomb. That's their usual MO. But this is a pretty big effort. They're pretty secretive. You think this was an initiation ceremony? Some kind of hazing ritual? Usually I would say yes. The alchemists are just a bunch of rich people that like to dress up in robes, drink, 
and then spout some ancient occult stuff. From what I understand, more like a club. A bunch of stuff they made up, Bennett affirmed. But this, he pointed at the pile of char and sulfur black liquid, this is something else. According to their history, the Alchemist Guild started as actual alchemists at its founding. It was understood that all of that seemed long since gone, and now it's just a stuffy club. All it takes is some money and some connections to become a member of the Alchemist Guild. But this, this feels like a real attempt at something. This feels like the Black Toad. Never heard of it. That's the idea. It's just a rumor. Something we have in a drawer at the DOC. But what if the parties and the plaques of the Alchemist Guild are a cover for something else? The Black Toad is an ancient symbol from alchemy. A toad full ruddy I saw did drink the juice of grapes so fast. Sweet are the uses of adversity, which like the toad ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. We piece together that the Black Toad is an elite secret circle within the Alchemist Guild. Cesarin Fulcrum runs the Alchemists. What most people don't know is that a handful of members of the Alchemist Guild created an internal society called the Black Toad. And it has a real agenda. And they are very powerful and have incredible influence and resources. And from what I understand, they are legitimately trying to tap into things like transmutation, possibly evocation, whatever this is. The Cesarin Fulcrum wants to turn lead into gold. I think the Graham sent me here because something bigger is happening than just the murder of Arthur Penmoom. I don't know what yet. But I think the Black Toad was here, and I think with a sixth sense of irony, they used a fake set of an ancient tomb to create a ritual to release something very dangerous. Dangerous like what? Something... Don't interrupt me, she said to Mr. Fitz. Something ugly and venomous, and possibly out for murder. Up above Maisie and Bennett. Charity Suter was sweeping up the stage and trying to stay out of everyone's way. One of the crew asked her where they wanted Penelope, the old house piano, positioned for the night. Charity started to answer, but Hope shoved her out of the way as she came to the stage manager's stand and pinned a new run-through. Charity gave her a glare. Hope answered the crew member, and he rolled his eyes and pushed Penelope into place. Hope gave Charity a vicious look and she walked over to the wall where a fire axe and a pail of water hung from a hook. Hope picked up the water bucket. She brought it to her lips, and she started to slurp at the rancid water, displacing the bugs and cigarette butts floating on the top. Charity tried not to gag as she recoiled. Hope chugged giant gulps of water as it ran down her cheeks in the front of her shirt. Charity backed away slowly, watching the water pour onto the floor. Tried to make her way back to Max's office to see if he needed anything. Hope kept drinking. The cast was finishing up a last-minute dress rehearsal when Maisie and Bennett climbed up from underneath the stage and interrupted the scene. Max called a short break and tried to get everyone to calm down. Everybody scattered. Max asked, Any leads, detective? This your trainee? 
Bennett ignored him. He looked at Maisie. I have to keep on the suspect interviews. Let me know if this pans out. Bennett dusted himself off and followed the two comedians, Lionel and Abner, off stage for an interview. Max grumbled away to his office to spike his coffee. Maisie went out to the front of the stage to look out onto the house. Wheeled in front of the curtain to get clear of any commotion, Penelope, the lovingly old piano, sat still and quiet. The source of wobbly tunes, a part of the institution from the beginning, underpinning sweeping dramas or banging out simple sing-alongs after hours with the cast and crew. We don't have time for that, Maisie said to Mr. Fitz in her coat. I know it helps you think, but we... Okay, okay, fine. Maisie climbed up onto the piano bench, opened up the top, plunked a few keys. He pulled out Mr. Fitz and set him on the piano, took her gloves off, stretched her fingers, tried to hit the right positions. The burlesque bombshell westerly sauntered up to her. That's nice, he said. Thanks, said Maisie. My dad taught me to play, but I'm not very good. There's always time, westerly said. You're one of those little detectives, aren't you? I've never actually seen one of those. Curios, and you won't if we're doing our job. This your little fella? He nudged Mr. Fitz. He looks so sad. He likes puzzles. And his medicine. Mama likes her medicine too. Like that cute detective. You his little helper? Nothing like that, actually. I'm mainly a ghost stories variety. Ah, I love a good ghost story. They always seem so committed. You'll enjoy the Duchess then. Oh, you little sneak. You hear everything, don't you? Whether I like it or not. Arthur used to play for me. I gotta go out here tonight and make this whole place laugh with his face in my mind. I have to open the show. This whole room is gonna know about Arthur. And it's gonna be up to me to let him know that it's okay to laugh. And that life goes on. How am I supposed to believe that when a sweet man like him can be dealt so much garbage? We'll have doors open soon. Maybe you can just play a little. It calms me down before a show. Sure, said Maisie. She started again and played. Westerly closed her eyes and got lost in the notes. Bennett's Notes, Lionel and Abner. Abner and Lionel. Comedy duo, been working together most of their professional lives. As per other performers, contentious. A relationship that drives the energy of their act. Lots of drunk punching and making up later. No violent exchanges with cast or crew. No animosity with Arthur the playwright. Gentlemen, thank you for letting me interrupt your rehearsal. I know these are inconvenient times. I'll say... And how? What can you tell me about Arthur? 
Okay, okay. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Hardy was writing for Rudy. But Rudy was playing the Pharaoh. No, Rudy was playing the Sheik. The Pharaoh was dead. No, Artie's dead and Rudy's playing the Sheik. That's right. But you said... I know what I said. Artie is dead. Right, it's because Rudy's playing the Pharaoh. No, he's playing the Sheik. The Pharaoh's dead in a tomb. No, Artie's dead on the stage. Westerly's the witch and put the Pharaoh in the tomb. Rudy was flirty with his girly, so he had to play dumb in the tomb. But Artie was writing him as a pharaoh. Sheik! That's right! And the Sheik is dead! No, the pharaoh is dead! It's his curse that's the problem! From the witch! Which witch? Westerly! But Rudy was too Sheik to play a witch. No, he's playing the Sheik. Annie Mae wanted to play the lead and wear the pants! Er, skirt. But Rudy had it and Maxie wouldn't budge. Even though he was trying to get it to Westerly. Er, Northly, under the stage. He was sleeping. No, not sleeping. Dead. Right? No, North wasn't dead under the stage. Westerly's the witch and Rudy's the sheik. The pharaoh was dead under the stage. And Artie was dead on top of it. With the sheik. Right. Right. And Rudy is playing the Pharaoh. No. Rudy was playing the Sheik. How many times I gotta tell you? I thought Artie was the problem. No, Rudy's the problem. But Rudy's not dead. Right. 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 Sorry, Inspector. What was the question? Echoing through the house and loud enough to vibrate the walls, Hope's voice shouted out as the audience made their way into the theater. Charity pulled the curtain and cleared the stage from rehearsals. She did a quick house check to make sure all the rows were clean and clear. She ran down the ramp, up the steps, took one last look at the house and stepped behind the curtain through the slit. Charity just ducked out of the way as a fire axe swung over her head, just missing, splitting it like a log. She fell back in the light from the slit of the curtain. She could see Hope's rabid, drooling face. Hope dropped the axe, leapt onto Charity, and wrapped her hands around her neck, violently choked her. You had your chance. You will not get rid of me. Hope squeezed harder as Charity gasped for air, her eyes bulging out of her head. The audience flowed from the lobby into the theater, slowly taking their seats and chatting with each other as the early crowd came in for the follies. Charity tried to grasp for the curtain to pull it back so someone from the audience could see her and help. She tried to shout, but no breath came out. Hope was drooling and it was falling over Charity's face and hands. As Charity looked through the slit in the curtain for help, she saw Edmund Green, dressed in his top hat, coat, standing in seats near the front. He had a pretty, flirty blonde with him. It was Fanny Fulcrum, and she was wearing a brilliant emerald necklace. The two were chatting about something, and as Charity gasped for air, slowly slipped from consciousness, she could hear Edmund's voice. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's best we do send him to boarding school. I just don't see anything of myself in the boy. 
The only person he made eye contact with Charity. The most affection he ever shows me is stabbing my fake leg with his little knife from time to time. Perhaps it is best. I will tell you, Fanny. It is very nice spending time with someone that holds me in such high esteem. Charity reached her hand for Edmund and tried to call out. She pushed on Hope, slapped her face, and tried to gouge an eye. But she ran out of air. Her hands went limp to the floor, and her vision went dark, just as the last sound she heard was Fanny Fulcrum <laughs> giggle. Is Charity's throttling the first act of the newly minted murder follies? Will someone come to save her, or will she bring down the house with her final performance? What were the alchemists up to under the stage? And is the black toad real or just a whispered rumor? What did they release with their ritual, and did it have anything to do with Arthur's murder? Once the doors break open and the audience arrives, there's no going back. I hope you're off book, and hope gets off charity on the next episode of Celine. Would you like a ticket to enjoy the revelry of Noon Night Affair? Our Patreon is a place where you can see all the sordid savagery and indecent decadence of the mysteries of our fair city. Want some answers for once? Solve the mysteries and share never-before-heard stories, music, and spectacle. Come be a part of Moonlight Affair, Silent Treatment, and Selene with the other spirits again and again and again and again and again and again and again. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.